Thank you for joining me for today's Beast Watch News Update. News from the Internet's most comprehensive Bible prophecy news website, BeastWatchNews.com. I'm Kimberly Rogers Brown. Once again, Israel and America are on parallel tracks. At first glance of this week's news, you wouldn't think so. Their situations this past week seem so different. However, these two nations are tied together in ways that most people cannot see. Isaiah 3, 12-26 applies to both houses this week the house of Judah and the house of Israel even though Isaiah was writing specifically to the house of Judah stay tuned to find out how Israel and America are on the same judgment track Isaiah 3:12 and 13 says as for my people children are their oppressors and women rule over them my people your leaders are misleading you. They're giving you confusing directions. The Lord is taking his place to argue his case. He's standing up to judge the peoples. Women in this passage is Venashim, Strong's H802802. It means woman, but also adulteress. Isaiah did not write this passage to the house of Israel, but to the house of Judah and Jerusalem. Yet, this message certainly fits the house of Israel's American politics 2,700 years later. Certainly, Yahweh intends us to see that it is the adulteresses who lead his people astray in Isaiah 3, verses 12 and 13. All the prophets call Yahweh's people adulteresses, or more literally, idolaters, which is spiritual adultery. Here is a headline that exemplifies this Isaiah passage for the house of Israel in America. Record number of women elected to U.S. House of Representatives. This FT.com article's title could not be more prophetic of the end times condition of the American contingent of the House of Israel in the West. Two Muslim women won seats this election, Rashida Tlaib of Michigan and Ilhan Omar of Minnesota. This should be concerning to every American because America is continuing to abandon its Hebrew heritage through Christianity. Two Democratic House candidates, Sharice Davids of Kansas and Deb Haaland of New Mexico, became the first Native American women in Congress. In Massachusetts and Connecticut, Democratic candidates Ayanna Presley and Johanna Hayes became their state's first black women in Congress. On the Republican side, Marsha Blackburn was elected the first female senator in Tennessee history, while Young Kim became the first Korean-American woman in Congress. Overall, 30 or more women gained seats in Congress. Another first in American politics happened in this election. 
Sharice Davids of Kansas is the first Native American woman to serve in Congress and the first openly LGBT candidate person to represent the state of Kansas. Six other openly LGBT politicians come before Miss Davids. Representatives Jared Paulus, David Ciceline, Patrick, Sean Patrick Maloney, rather, Kirsten Cinema, Mark Pocan, and Mark Tacano. This election was not a referendum on Trump as much as it was a divine test of Americans themselves. America has gone down the unrighteous road since the baby boomers introduced drugs and promiscuous sex. Sexual promiscuity led to the murder of millions of our babies because mommies and daddies wanted to play instead of taking responsibility, and the government developed Planned Parenthood to help them do this and also to kill as many black babies as possible to reduce the black population. Most people are not aware of Planned Parenthood's true agenda. The LGBT mess, the abomination agenda, and more came out of the boomers' licentiousness, including the women's rights movement that has now led to women taking over rulership of the House of Israel in America. The women's movement began with this generation, and this movement is responsible for the emasculation of American men. Now, Women are taking over the culture in governance of America. Women were never authorized to govern Yahweh's people except as judges. All priests are men. Rulers are always male monarchs, kings. The role of women in Yahweh's kingdom was divinely prescribed to lead the nation in righteousness, raising righteous generations through teaching children the Torah. As judges, women are given authority to judge and teach Yahweh's people his righteousness. In Yahweh's kingdom, judges are selected, perhaps through a voting process. Women were selected as judges. We have Deborah as our example. This does not violate Torah. Judges are also teachers. Women were prophets, and prophets are also teachers, but women are not permitted to serve as governing leaders of the nation. The offices of leadership are priest and king, which are meant for men only. American women, starting with the baby boomer generation, violate more than the role specified for them by Yahweh. These worldly women brought unrighteousness to America, and America leads the world. These usurping women are leading the entire world in every kind of abomination and debauchery known to mankind. Isaiah 3.12 says, let me remind you, as for my people, children are their oppressors and women rule over them. Children, the spiritually immature whiny babies, and women rather than men rule America.
Yahweh's referendum of this election was not President Donald Trump. It was asking his question, America, will you take a further turn toward righteousness? The answer from the American people was, we want sin. Because they voted for the party that leads the way to the troughs of sin in domestic policy, the Democrats. Democrats are known for their use of entitlement programs. These programs make people slaves of the state. The younger generations spawned by the boomers lap up these programs like kittens at a milk bowl. They want their existence provided for them without their requirements of responsibility and accountability. This election showed that America simply could not hold on to its slight and short turn toward righteousness that began two years ago. Republicans kept control of the Senate, even gaining some seats, because that referendum was about foreign policy. It is the Senate that ratifies treaties with other nations. Americans kept the Republican Senate because they did not like the Iran deal. They want border control and lawful immigration, and they love what President Trump did in Jerusalem by moving the U.S. Embassy there. They are keeping Trump's foreign policies and rejecting his domestic policies, including his economic policies. The democratically controlled Senate enacted the very dangerous Iran deal under Obama. Trump has undone the deal and Americans voted yes to that and all the rest. Losing the House of Representatives says Americans reject the conservative domestic agenda, which to the left has the implication of heading back toward righteousness when it comes to lifestyle. Americans want a looser society, more sin against Yahweh, more homosexuality and general depravity, etc., they don't want anyone telling them they shouldn't sin. The most infamous woman in government is Nancy Pelosi. She could become Speaker of the House again. Pelosi is a boomer generation sexually perverted baby killer who supports LGBT and partial birth abortion. She also wants Iran to rise from the ancient Persian ashes. She hates Putin and is leading a campaign against Trump's efforts to deal with him. And she favors more gun control, is against the Ten Commandments being displayed in public buildings, including schools, and rejects that marriage should be defined as being between one man and one woman. Americans voted in favor of this, I'll have more on Pelosi in a little bit. At least Trump leans toward the Bible, not away from it. Republicans and the news media made Trump's good economy the focus of the election. They failed to see that this election wasn't just about the economy. Voters were more focused on health care and immigration than the economy, even though they were being steered toward the economy as the main issue and Trump's biggest triumph. The economy is not Trump's biggest triumph. 
his foreign policy is, even though Americans can't see the damage he is doing to Israel. Since the pundits tried to make this election race about Trump's economy, let's look at Trump's claims about it. This is the stand where Trump supporters and Republican politicians hang their hats. Let's see if there is really something to brag about. Trump claimed America now has the best, strongest, greatest economy in the country's history. He told Fox News on August 23, 2018, It's said now that our economy is the strongest it's ever been in our history of our country, and you just have to take a look at the numbers. He told the Daily Caller on September 3, 2018, We have the best economy the country's ever had, and it's getting better. In many ways, this is the greatest economy in the history of America. These claims, if true, might have been a bigger factor in swinging the election further away from the Democrats. What was the problem? The problem with these statements was that Trump exaggerates, and we all know that exaggeration is the same as lying. Let's take a look at the truth. The Washington Post says the economy certainly is pretty strong right now with the unemployment rate low and stock market indexes at record highs. We will lay aside the issue of whether Trump can claim credit for the state of the economy because of his tax bill and deregulatory efforts or whether he merely inherited a winning hand from President Barack Obama. We will keep our focus on whether it is indeed the strongest in U.S. history. There are several metrics one could look at and which the president has mentioned at times, but the current economy falls short, according to experts. The unemployment rate in August was 3.9%, and it dipped as low as 3.8% in May. But the unemployment rate was as low as 2.5%, in 1953. In fact, it was below 3.9% for much of 1951, 52, and 53. The unemployment rate was as low as 3.4% in 1968 and 69 and was 3.8% in 2000. Jobless claims, a more volatile figure, fell at the end of August to the lowest since 1969. When Trump campaigned for president, he used to twist the labor force participation rate in a misleading example of a flagging economy. But the labor force participation rate has not greatly improved under Trump. The retirement of the baby boom generation is a major factor. Moreover, the labor force participation rate for men of prime working age, 25 to 54, has remained stuck at about 88.9% compared with 97% in the 1950s and 60s. This is another statistic Trump often cites. The gross domestic product is the broadest measure of the economy, and during the campaign, he promised to achieve an annual growth rate of 4%. In the second quarter, the rate was 4.2%. 
but that's still below the 5.1% and 4.9% achieved in two quarters in 2014 or the 4.7% increase in a quarter in 2011 under Barack Obama. It may be a stretch to achieve an annual growth rate of 3% for all of 2018. In 2017, growth was 2.3%. In 1997, 98, and 99, the GDP grew 4.5%, 4.5%, and 4.7% respectively. But even that period paled against the 1950s and 60s. Growth between 1962 and 66 ranged from 4.4% to 6.6%. In 1950 and 51, it was 8.7 and 8% respectively and then was 4.1 and 4.7% in 1952 and 53. Economic historians pointed to these data points to say the president's claim is off base. Growth was much higher in the 1960s at close to 5% per year and unemployment was below 3%. A few other economists have a different opinion, saying the economy is doing pretty darn good by historical standards, says Douglas Irwin, a Dartmouth College professor who wrote a history of trade policy. He cited the study from the Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis's study showing that real per capita income is at an all-time high. But he also said that the trend line in the United States has generally been upward, except during recessions, which he says is a remarkable feature of the U.S. economy that few other countries have matched. Robert D. Atkinson, president of the Information Technology and Innovation Foundation and author of The Past and Future of America's Economy, Long Waves of Innovation That Power Cycles of Growth, said, The president can certainly brag about the state of the economy, but he runs into trouble when he repeatedly makes a play for the history books. By just about any important measure, the economy today is not doing as well as it did under Presidents Dwight D. Eisenhower, Lyndon B. Johnson, and Bill Clinton, and Ulysses S. Grant. The odd thing is that Trump does not need to claim that the economy is the greatest ever. He just needs to say it's doing great. In other words... Trump needs to stop exaggerating and embellishing his statements. If you're reading this, you can click on the database of over 6,000 false claims made by Trump, not all of them having to do with just the economy. Wage stagnation was the subject of a recent Lou Dobbs show when he interviewed Gina Loudon, author of Mad Politics, who said the whole nation was experiencing wage growth. Well, let's see if Trump's policies have really put more money in your pockets. Under Trump, more households have income than during the Obama years, but incomes have not risen. Also, Trump has given the U.S. less debt 
But the U.S. already had trillions of dollars of debt on its books from the Obama years. Trump is doing better than Obama. He is doing better than George Bush before him. But it's not enough. Americans want more. They want more money spent on the things they desire. This is part of the generational entitlement mentality we boomers have spawned to our own detriment. What Americans want is more government spending, not less, which is the Trump way. So in debt spending and tax cuts, Trump loses to the entitlement populace. According to the Wall Street Journal, the labor share has declined. And there are no signs that the market is working to reverse the drop. In the past year, economic growth has accelerated and unemployment has fallen to the lowest level in two decades. This is supposed to help wage earners, but pay rates have not ticked up. Between July 2017 and July 2018, workers' average inflation-adjusted earnings fell by 0.4%. There is no need for President Trump to exaggerate his success. Exaggeration is always lying. Embellishment is always lying. The only truth is the one told straight up. A man that habitually lies is one to not be trusted. He is the one that will turn and bite you in the backside one day. Haven't we learned this lesson? Another life lesson I've learned is that a liar is often a bully too. We certainly see these characteristics in President Donald Trump. With this election, a return to the Obama era seems to be coming. The number one reason for this is Nancy Pelosi, who won her seat in the House of Representatives again. She is one of the most unrighteous women on the planet, and the House could be under her Obama-type policies again. This woman is powerful and dangerous, and the effect of having her return to Speaker of the House effectively puts Trump's administration out of business for the next two years. Hopefully, she will not be elected as Speaker of the House. Another evil woman in power is Maxine Waters. She is a fierce Trump opponent who has become the chair of the House Finance Committee with this election. Waters has called for increased regulation of the nation's major banks, a position at odds with the deregulatory agenda of President Donald Trump and his allies in Congress. The deregulation nonsense is not the problem. The problem with Waters is how she could backlash Trump because of his position and the fact that she just plain hates him. 
It is unlikely that she will be able to affect any major regulation without a majority in the Senate or while Trump is president. But some investors fear that Water could use her subpoena power to dig up dirt on the big banks and that she might continue to derail Trump by subpoenaing his tax returns just to keep the turmoil going in the White House and also for the purpose of calling for impeachment. Pelosi and Waters are a formidable Democratic team that could open and reopen all kinds of investigations into President Donald Trump. And if you think that they are not in cahoots with Barack Obama and that he is not working diligently behind the scenes to derail Trump, think again. Obama is always there, lurking in the shadows and sometimes playing the role of groundhog, appearing in public before disappearing inside his hole again. America is sliding back into its former liberal politics. What was the message sent to Yahweh and to America's leaders this week? Number one, it wasn't about the economy. For all the bluster from the right about Trump's economy, the truth is something different than what Trump proponents say. Trump's economy is better, but it is not the best ever. However, Democrats also lie when they refuse to acknowledge Trump's successes. Number two, this election clearly shows the downward slide of America in both domestic policies and righteousness. Being Republican does not equal being righteous, and being Democratic does not equal being unrighteous. However, a nation whose conservative platform is against sexual sin, abortion, injustice to workers, and so forth, is a nation with a chance of returning to some semblance of righteousness even if it never turns all the way back to Yahweh. Stay tuned. I'll be right back after these messages. Thank you for listening to the Jerusalem Report on Beast Watch News. Full news coverage with a Hebraic perspective of the headlines fulfilling Bible prophecy. Remember to financially and prayerfully support Beast Watch News for keeping you up to date. Send your donation to Beast Watch News today. It takes money to operate this ministry, and your help is much appreciated. A nation with a liberal platform that embraces sexual sin that leads to baby murdering and gay marriage, continued slapping of veterans and economic policies that keep wage stagnation and high taxes in place for the oppressed working class people, has almost no chance to turn toward righteousness. Judgment follows. There are three habits I wish President Trump would break. First, I wish he would shut his mouth to let people finish speaking to him before he opens his mouth to answer. His bad habit shows disrespect for others and disregards what they say. Proverbs 18.13 says if one answers a matter before he hears, it is folly and shame to him.
Second, it would benefit everyone if he would explain the adjectives he uses in reference to people, places, and objects or things. For instance, if a person did an awesome or fantastic job, Mr. Trump should explain what the person did that was so awesome or fantastic. Or if the person did something awful, explain what was awful. In other words, President Trump must learn to listen and to be articulate. He is dealing with President Vladimir Putin, who is a listener and an articulate speaker. We have seen how miscommunication between Trump and Putin has resulted in some bad conditions on Israel and Jordan's borders. I believe this is partly due to Trump speaking before he hears what the other party is saying. This means he gets only part of what the other person's meaning is and makes decisions based on this partial understanding. And he doesn't ask for clarification from others either. Thus, Trump doesn't win in negotiations through words and through making deals, but through being a bully. And Putin is not the type to be bullied. All you have to do is watch him during a press conference to verify what I'm saying. Third, Trump should stop exaggerating and be truthful with Americans. Trump prefers braggadocio and constant, and I do mean constant, self-praise. He is a proud man and arrogant to the core. There will be a price paid, whether it comes during Trump's presidency or later, whether he is the descendant of Gog, which remains to be seen, or if it will be a future president who leads the nations against Israel, Trump will not be the only reason for America's judgment. The unrighteous women and children, meaning the immature whiny babies, along with the decades of accumulated corruption and sin, will ultimately be the cause of Yahweh's judgment. Now let's compare how Isaiah 3 applies to Israel. Since we've seen how it applies to America, we will see that this week Yahweh's words apply to both. Let's review Isaiah 3.12. As for my people, children are your oppressors and women rule over them. My people, your leaders are misleading you. They're giving you confusing directions. The Lord is taking his place to argue his case. He's standing up to judge the peoples. A snake came out of the western wall this week. It is the third harbinger since the Jewish nation state bill was enacted by Knesset on July 19, 2018. There were two previous harbingers. First, a huge stone fell from the western wall on August 1, 2018 in the women's prayer area. A cloud of mist appeared at the wall on October 3, 2018. According to Josh Wander, who recorded the early morning mist's appearance, 
it seemed to be coming from this area which was designated for women in the time of the temple and the eastern gateway which confused me since I know that today it is an orchard of olive trees and there is normally no activity there he continued saying there was very little wind and the smoke just seemed to crawl across the mount toward the dome of the rock it seemed to come out of a specific spot but after several minutes it seemed to be rising up from the multiple sources in the same general area Wander reluctantly described the mist with a word he rarely uses supernatural it looked supernatural he said not trusting his own eyes Wander asked the people around him if they could see the mist most were immersed in their holiday prayers and had not noticed but when it was pointed out they confirmed the mist's presence the phenomenon lingered on the ground around the golden dome for more than 20 minutes I'm certainly not the kind of person who sees signs in nature Wander said but this was just too out of the ordinary to ignore it looked eerie and the location the site of the Holy of Holies is too significant are you beginning to see the connection between women ruling over Yahweh's people both in America and in Israel and the harbingers in the women's prayer areas and Yahweh's coming judgment on his people three harbingers all in the women's prayer areas of either the western wall or the women's court from ancient times is sending us a message these are harbingers of judgment but also the coming millennium I will tell you how this is so in just a minute first why did Yahweh remove the Jews from Jerusalem in the time of Jeremiah this Isaiah 3 passage had a near fulfillment for the time when Jerusalem was under siege by the Assyrians then again during Jeremiah's time when the Jews went into Babylonian captivity it applies at the end of days as well because the same conditions exist now and Yahweh doesn't change his ways or patterns let's read the passage from verse 1 for behold the Lord the Lord of hosts does take away from Jerusalem and from Judah the stay and the staff the whole stay of bread and the whole stay of water the mighty man and the man of war the judge the prophet the prudent and the ancient the captain of fifty and the honorable men and the counselor and the cunning artificer and the eloquent orator and I will give children to be their princes and babes shall rule over them and the people shall be oppressed every one by another and every one by his neighbor the child shall behave himself proudly against the ancient and the base against the honorable Yahweh removed the Jews from Jerusalem at the time of the Babylonian captivity again in 70 AD and is getting ready to do it again it is no coincidence that these harbingers appeared 
just prior to and just after the fall feasts, a time that signifies the arrival of the king. It's like Yahweh put these harbingers in parentheses around the feasts. These harbingers are Yahweh telling his people they did not act righteously during their self-declared jubilee and the enactment of the nation-state bill. I also see a, a, a sequence in them. First, the stone falling recalls the destruction of the temple. The mist coming from the ground speaks of the time of Noah that Yeshua prophesied for the end of days when the mist was still coming out of the ground and not from the sky. The snake heralds the destruction of the serpent and the return of the Garden of Eden eastward from the temple which has yet to be built. Leviticus 26 verses 40 to 42 lays out the way Yahweh wants us to repent. But one significant feature of verse 42 is that the patriarchs and the covenants are listed backward. Jacob, then Isaac, and Abraham. This tells us that repentance brings a reverse order, a return to Yahweh. These harbingers are symbols that show us that we are close to the time of reversal. Yahweh is preparing to return the earth from its present state to its pristine state in the millennium. We are going from temple defilement back through Noah's day to the time of the garden. Some will see these harbingers as messages of judgment, and they are. But they also lead us to Yahweh's, Yeshua's kingdom on earth. The Jews don't know how much danger they're in because of the enactment of the nation-state bill and the rebellious jubilee they declared for themselves, leaving out the other twelve tribes by using the nation-state bill to prevent us from making Aliyah. This week... Israel began mulling the Red Sea, Dead Sea project again to entice Jordan to let Israel back in its good graces again after Jordan jumped out of the land lease deal a couple of weeks ago. At the same time, Israel got busy threatening Russia, saying the IDF will attack Syria's Russian-made and manned S-300 missile system. The Russians said... That would be a big mistake. Both houses, Israel and Judah, are in danger and about to suffer Yahweh's judgment as he cleans up his house of Jacob. Isaiah 3.12 says, As for my people, children are their taskmasters and women rule over them. O oh, my people! Your rulers cause you to go astray and destroy the way of your paths. Yahweh stands up to plead his case and stands up to judge his people. Yahweh will enter into judgment with the elders of his people and their kings. 
for you have eaten up the vineyard. The spoil of the poor is in your houses. What do you mean? You crush my people and grind the faces of the poor, says the Lord Yahweh of hosts. And Yahweh says, because the daughters of Zion are proud and have walked with stretched out necks and wanton eyes, walking and mincing as they go and making a tinkling with their feet, therefore Yahweh will strike with a scab the crown of the head of the daughters of Zion and Yahweh will make their secret parts naked. In that day... The Lord will take away the beauty of ankle bracelets and the headbands and the crescents, the pendants and the bracelets and the veils, the headdresses and the leg ornaments and the sashes and the houses of the soul and the amulets and the rings and nose jewels, the festal apparel and the outer garments and the mantles and the purses, the mirrors and the fine linen and the turbans and the veils, And it shall be, instead of sweet smell, there shall be an odor of decay, and instead of a sash, a rope, and instead of well-set hair, baldness, and instead of a rich robe, a wrapping of sackcloth, burning instead of beauty. Your men shall fall by the sword, and your mighty in the war." And her gates shall lament and mourn, and she shall sit deserted on the ground. Who are the daughters of Zion? We are. Wherever we are on the earth, we are still daughters of Zion. Also, did you notice in verse 18 that it says, In that day, in the day, that Yahweh's people become arrogant against him, whether that was during Isaiah's time, Jeremiah's time, or in our time, Yahweh stands to judge us. My interest is not in American politics, but in how the actions of world leaders affect the outcome of Bible prophecy. This week's political news has an impact on Yahweh's coming judgment, I believe. In summary, here is what I think we might see in the next two years. America will proceed to make domestic policies that are against the righteousness of the scriptures. Persecution of Jews and Christians, those who uphold the scriptures, might increase in America and elsewhere. The House Democrats will likely steam ahead with their various investigations of President Trump, especially now that Trump has asked for Jeff Sessions' resignation for recusing himself from the Russian investigation because he had undisclosed meetings with Russia's then-ambassador to the U.S., Sergei Kislyak, the previous year. Sessions did not disclose the conversations when asked under oath during his Senate confirmation hearing in early 2017 about possible contacts between Trump's campaign and Moscow. This obviously fuels the left's case against Trump and might result in Jeff Sessions being investigated as well. I expect the Republican Senate will likely uphold Trump's Middle East policies. Trump could be emboldened to impose his agenda for Iran, Syria, and Israel on the region, which will cause 
further rifts between the U.S. and Russia as well. Border control along the U.S. southern border could become an even more contentious problem between the Democratic and Republican parties and between Trump and his enemies who would rather throw American security under the bus than admit Trump is right about something. Israel will likely follow suit with Trump's Middle East agenda to impose its will to run Iran out of Syria even if it must attack Russian outposts, military bases, and personnel to do so. Israel will probably continue its path of exclusionary practices against all non-Jews and those who it considers non-Jews, meaning Jews who are not orthodox, you know, reform, conservative, and messianic Jews, using the nation-state bill to uphold those practices. Both houses... The House of Israel, led by America, and the House of Judah, led by the Israelis, will continue on the path to their judgment and subsequent come-to-Jesus meeting. But here is what Yahweh says to the righteous in Isaiah 3.10. Say to the righteous that it is well, for they shall eat the fruit of their doings. Woe to the wicked! For the evil doing of his hand will be done to him. It will be well for those who adhere to Yahweh's rules for righteousness found in the Torah, including having the testimony of Yeshua, as the scripture says in Revelation 12:17. The wicked will be destroyed. Good news for us. Yes. That's it for this Beast Watch News update. This is Kimberly Rogers Brown signing off. Click over to BeastWatchNews.com for full comprehensive coverage of all the headlines fulfilling end of days Bible prophecy.